Everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and today it is a How I Got Here version of the podcast where I ask people in the racing world how they got to where they are today. What was their path? What led them to do what they wanted to do? How did they get their start? And we have another interesting story today. It is Greg Stumpf, who is from Off Axis Paint. If you've never heard of Off Axis Paint, they're one of the paint shops that do helmet painting for the NASCAR drivers and other racers. And it's something that pops up frequently on social media, these incredibly intricate and well-designed helmets that you see from all all helmet designers, but off-axis, uh, one of the best. And Greg Stump is quickly building a little helmet empire there. So uh, that's pretty cool. And I want to talk to him about how that all came to be. All right, everybody. I'm here with Greg Stump, and he's the founder of Off Axis Paint. And not only the founder, like it's not like he founded it and then left. He's like still running the show today. Yeah. So, well, I'm yeah. in California, so I kind of did leave my guys. But oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, you left, but you're still at the helm. Let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got it under control back there. That's that's the cool part uh, about my job now. Like back in the day, it was just me. I would have to leave and then go right back to work. You know, drive home or whatever. Um, but now I got a good team back at home that can keep uh, keep the momentum going and, and keep helmets going out the door. So it's kind of nice to be able to to get away for a couple of days. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so this is actually the second interview we've done about <laughs> this because I came to your shop last August, last September, yeah, and interviewed you, and I was going to write a story, and then it kind of turned out that actually you would fit better for the How I Got Here series. And of course, at the time I was just recording the interview on my phone, so that wouldn't have been good. So now you've graciously agreed to... Repeat some of what you've already told me, except now into a microphone. Yeah, you stepped your game up, and we've stepped ours up, so it, this works well. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. So let's let's just establish like what you do and where you are first, and then we can go into how you got there. So um, you design helmets, or your company designs helmets. You and your company make helmets um, for many of the people, uh, not at, at all levels in NASCAR. Um, so can you? Would you be comfortable name-dropping uh, some of the guys that oh, you're, man. you're currently I mean, in? Martin Truex Jr., uh, Cup champion. One. Yeah, so we got we got him a couple of years ago. And uh, honestly, the whole Truex family, we do all of them. Uh, uh, Justin Allgaier has been with me for a long time. Ryan Reed. Um, I'm just trying to look out the window and see people I know. Joey Logano, he's, he was a part of it for a while. Um, it's, just, it's cool to work with a lot of different drivers. I think we do like 30 to 40 between the three series now. 30 to 40 drivers. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of, uh, we're, and we're very personable, so it's a lot of uh, personalities and and things to remember about certain people because, you know, when I do these, I don't want to just throw a sponsor on the on the helmet. I want to make it something that the driver loves and uh, it's a part of them because, you know, honestly, they don't really get a whole lot of say in the fire suits or the cars or, or anything else. So the helmet's kind of like the one thing that these drivers... Uh, uh, can be a part of, you know, so I, I try to take it very personally and that's, you know, that's a lot of the reason I'm at the track a lot of times because uh, it's just cool to come here and see your friends run and, and see your stuff on track. So um, you have a helmet empire, essentially. You guys have a shop that I've been to, a very nice big shop. Yep. Um, you have employees who are working. You guys pull all-nighters to make these helmets sometimes. Um, a lot of times. A lot of yeah. times. So it's yeah. right there in North Carolina and uh it's a, it's by it's in Mooresville next to a bunch of race shops and so 
you know, when things happen very quickly, which they do in NASCAR a lot, uh, you know, the, oh, we need a we need the sponsor on a helmet, you know, by Friday the hauler's leaving, uh, we can usually pull that off, and there's not a lot of shops that can do that. So that's kind of uh, our blessing and curse, I guess. You know, it's that's the long nighters, but um, uh, we can we can just crank out helmets in our shop, and that's because I have again a great group of guys who just love doing what they do, and uh, as long as I keep the work coming in, the, they'll probably stay with me. <laughs> So, but you know, you you didn't always have this this all this stuff going on. Uh, nobody just magically said, "Okay, Greg, one day you're a helmet guy and you're just making this happen." Everybody's coming to you for their helmets. So, how in the world did you start this whole thing? How did you get to where you are? So, it, I'm not, it's kind of weird, you know. Like it's not really like a occupation like in high school like when you take those tests like you know oh you're gonna be a doctor you're gonna be a veterinarian like helmet painter's not really on the list (laughs) so honestly i didn't really know it was a job until um i probably like early high school started looking like troy lee stuff and you know the couple bigger helmet painters and uh Honestly, then I, I didn't even know it was a career path again. You know, I thought those guys were so big, and you know, I was so far out of reach. There's no way I could ever make it that far. And um, were you in Missouri? Is I was in Missouri, right? so yeah. yeah, not. I mean, dirt central. You know, like that's kind of how I'm. I'm good friends with Allgaier and, and Tyler Reddick because I come from the same dirt background. And so out of high school, I worked on a dirt late model team. I traveled all over the country, like every dirt track you name it. I've probably been to it. I probably scraped that mud off the car. Um, so I just kind of had a lot of downtime when you travel like that. So I would start taking some helmets home on the weekdays and bring them back on the weekends and make a little side money. I'm like, oh, this is not bad, you know. So then I start realizing, oh, these sponsors will actually pay to get this stuff done. It's not just the drivers. And uh, so I started doing that. I literally got on Facebook. It was, you know, Facebook was big back in then. And all this Twitter hasn't really taken over yet. I uh, just started messaging, like, every driver on there. And I got one hit, J.J. Ailey. And he was like, "Hey man, I want you to paint my helmet. I'm in Talladega, and we had we were actually there racing a dirt race. So I went over and met him. I was like, oh, this is a Cup guy. Like I'm big time now, you know. And he was like a starting park back in the day, you know. So um, I was just pumped to even like see my driver's name on TV. Like I had no TV time and no nothing, nothing involved in the team. Um, so I just kind of I kept getting drivers, ARCA drivers. But wait, let's let's go back to the Yaley thing for a second because okay. that that fascinates me. So you essentially don't really have any contacts at all. You're Zero. starting from complete scratch. I'm going to websites and literally looking through every roster of K&N, ARCA, I mean Trucks Cup, and finding their website or finding their Facebook. And this back in the day, a lot of drivers ran their own personal Facebook because the PR stuff really hadn't taken off huge yet you know so i would get messages back you know hey man i got a guy that paints my stuff or whatever and uh so yaley was the first one that actually messaged me and, and called and said hey i want you to paint my stuff so you, your offer is just like hey i'll, I'll do it for free for exposure or yeah you or for, you know free or you know pay the materials i wasn't asking for a lot you know uh-huh. i wasn't i wasn't or you know give me a couple credentials into the racetrack to meet more people you know it was give just, me a hot pass yeah I'll paint your helmet anything like that yeah so i was uh just farming out this work best as I could. I was still painting quite a few dirt drivers at the time, and um, and then I met uh, my buddy Skip Flores, which he he changes tires on uh, Blaney's car. So I met him when he was working at Stuart Haas. You know, I think he was running uh, Phil Fillers back then. So that's kind of how I got in with LaJoy and, and McReynolds and, and all that group back in the day. And uh, they're like, you know, why aren't you just in North Carolina? And uh, I kind of looked into it, and there's no real helmet painters you know in concord or mooresville or anything like that i'm like that's not a bad idea i have nothing holding me back to missouri like the dirt program i don't really want to scrape mud off of late models my whole life i love dirt racing but it's not really a great career path for a, a worker 
So um, I threw all my stuff in a U-Haul, and I moved 15 hours out to the East Coast and never really looked back. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So when you first get to North Carolina, um, again, it's in a situation where it doesn't sound like you had anything to start with. So how did you – it's not like you moved into this beautiful shop and had all, these, all yeah, this money or something. Not so at all. Yeah. How did that get started? So uh, a friend of mine, uh, she had a, a back – bedroom with a, a couch basically and said you know i'll charge you 100 bucks a month to live there and i <laughs> i said that's perfect i'm never going to be there if i have a shop uh i actually had a shop it fell through didn't think i was moving and then i was out there for uh just a visit between bristol i think i flew to charlotte just to kind of scope it out some more and i met a uh like a hauler driver and he was like yeah i got a storage unit you know it's pretty good size i got some cars in there just move some stuff around and you can paint so no paint booth no, nothing, like just a box of paint, and uh, I made it work. Out of a storage unit. <laughs> Out of a storage unit, yeah, and, and actually in Troutman, not even close to uh, to Mooresville or anything. So, I mean, I didn't really know anyone there, so it was pretty easy to work, you know, all hours of the night. You're just kind of doing whatever and going to these race shops and kind of acting bigger than I really was, you know. Like, they had no idea I was working at a storage unit, you know, spraying with, a, you know, plastic hanging around, uh, you know, a little box or anything, but... Uh, yeah, I just kept on doing stuff. People love my work, and the more I traveled to the track, the more people I met, and uh, then just kept kept getting bigger shops. I kept adding more people on. That, you know, I would start getting way too overwhelming, busy, like kind of like how we are now. And uh, I never really like put out, "Hey, we're hiring," or "Here's bringing your application." I just I've found these guys along the way, and it's actually worked better that way because they've you know they're coming to me and and wanting to do the job. So all of my guys are just. I don't, we're very tight working guys, you know, it's, it's crazy. I get paint shops all the time asking me, how's, how's your shop work? Like, you have the perfect formula. It's just because I honestly have the best guys in the world working for me. So every, there's a great chemistry, it sounds like. So a lot of helmet painters, not to name any names, uh, you know, you see one guy kind of at the forefront of the business, and there might be two to ten guys back in the shop painting all these helmets. And so they don't really get the recognition, uh, you know, I think they need. So my guys, um, you know, they start a helmet start to finish and every really it's passed around uh you know one guy will start it and one guy will finish it so and then they put their signature on the back and um you know say john hunter nemechek or matt crafton comes in you know the same guy paints his helmets every time so it's, it's you actually get a bond with the driver you know that's something cool that we can do because we're in north carolina it's not really like we don't just email people back and forth people can actually physically stop in talk to us and it makes our jobs a lot easier so why is it important for you to elevate those guys because i mean what if they what if they want to start their own business and and be a competitor to you because they've made connections through you You, you're not threatened by that no i mean for the most part i do most of the connections with sponsors and and the corporate side of it and honestly it's it's a lot more work than what people would think to just start your own helmet shop you know you need uh you know certain state laws you'd have to apply by with uh the paint and um paint's just expensive you know, by itself. So to have all, uh, you know, the best equipment and any tool you need at your fingertips at our shop is, um, it's kind of key to that. You know, if if they were to go out and start out by themselves, uh, it would be a lot of work to try to to kind of come up to our level, I guess. You know, I'm not I'm not stopping anybody that wants to do that, but um, you know, with the guys and and how we work as a chemistry. Um, I don't think anybody would want to do that. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't happen. But I'm gonna keep going. But um, yeah, I don't know. I've I've always worried about you know people moving to North Carolina and starting a shop you know down the street or something. But um, 
again, that's why I'm so personal with everyone. I, I think loyalty is a big thing with these younger drivers, and if I can keep them from Canaan, trucks, and all the way to Cup, um, you know, that'd be really cool to see them, you know, go through the ranks like that. So you talk about it sounds like you've you've really learned about the personal touch and loyalty. Um, what else have you learned through this process as a business owner, as a boss? All these things that I'm sure, again, it wasn't like taught to you in school. You had to learn this through experience. How how have you learned those lessons along the way and had that shape what, where you are today? Yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm still learning. You know, I never went to college for business school or anything like that. But um, I have a lot of good uh, mentors, I guess, kind of on the corporate side of money or, or invoices or how to do certain things or talk to certain people. Um, I'm really lucky to know the owner of Bass Pro because he's from my hometown, you know, so he gives me a lot of uh, tips and how he built his business from a, a bait shop in the back of a liquor store to the empire it is now. So when you have guys like that in your corner or uh, somebody like Sam Bass, he talks to me quite a bit on the art side of it. Um, I mean, you can't really go wrong. You got, you got all-star people that are at a, a fingertip you know, dial away on your phone. So uh, I just think I'm still learning. I've learned a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes. But uh, those guys kind of helped me to say, um, you know, 20 years ago I made this mistake. Don't make it, you know. So uh, having those guys, it's it's made it a lot easier on me. So it sounds like you can't be afraid to ask for help. No, not, humble yourself not at enough all. To say, yeah. I, I need help. I will uh, – I call Sam quite often, just go have have lunch with him and say, you know, let me run this by you or, or whatever. And, um, you know, he's kind of in the position now. He's not doing as much artwork, and, and he can take the time to, to help us out because I, I think he kind of sees a lot of himself in us, you know, starting out and and really being passionate about artwork, how, how we are. You know, it's not just a business to me where we're just making money painting helmets. Like, I really enjoy watching Tyler Reddick beat – you know, Elliot Sadler at the line of Daytona and go into victory lane. Like it's the coolest thing in the world to see your friends win races and, and have your helmets on. So how much, uh, how, how important is it to the business to have these drivers, um, be part of the family, I guess. Cause it seems like, you know, from, from when I visited the shop, it is a family. I mean, the day I stopped there, Noah Gregson's hanging out. I mean, it seems like you, you've built sort of an environment where, Everybody gets along. There's that chemistry, not only with the people that work for you, but with your clients. How how much has that played a factor into your success? Uh, a, a ton. I'd say that's probably 100% of it, not just doing good artwork. It's it's the the personality side of it. And I, I joke around and say we have a you know KBM TRD uh, daycare all the time, you know, because all those kids will come in there because they have nothing to do. They either go to you know the go kart track or they come to off axis, which is which is really cool with me because. Um, I enjoy hanging out with those kids, and, and there's not a lot of people here in this garage that can probably walk into every, any hauler they want to walk into and, and sit down and have a conversation with anybody without going through a PR person or whatever, so that's really cool, and I don't know, I guess I I just feel like they respect me as, as a person or, or somebody they can come and talk to. Honestly, I get probably the most text messages after races of, of people wanting other drivers' numbers because <laughs> they know, like I kind of know everyone, and and uh, I'm more be afraid to give it out. So it's either, you know, hey, I want to congratulate that person or I'm angry at that person. So I just, I kind of learn from that. I stay out of any drama I can stay out of. And uh, I don't know, just the, the good friendships I've built here, it's, it's, uh, it's come a long way. <laughs> so what advice would you give to people who are listening to this and they're like, man, you know, I, I'm, I feel like I'm artistic. I, I'm gifted that way, the same way that Greg might be. I, I'd love to get a start. I mean, should they 
try to start their own thing or like how how would somebody even go about this? No, just come work at Off Axis. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So contact you. Yeah, we got plenty of helmets to paint. So if you're yeah. good, come on over. Yeah. Um, no, man, just um, honestly keep doing it every day. There's a lot of I, I go back to my old high school a lot and um, talk to a lot of art kids there and. Uh, they think it's the coolest thing in the world when I bring in a helmet and say, yeah, this thing won Daytona, and it's been on TV, and, um, you know, there's like, there's no way I can get to that level, but, um, you know, I was in the same spot as them, barely graduating high school, and, you know, not knowing what I was going to do with my life, uh, leaving that place, so, um, anybody young, just pick up an airbrush, or, you know, a pottery wheel, or markers, or whatever you're into, you know, comic books, um, and just, and just keep doing it, put your head down, don't worry about what other people say, oh, you suck, or, you know, I wasn't, not, I mean, I still don't think I'm that good, but I wasn't, I wasn't very good at all when I first started, you know, and that's just from working long hours and, and perfecting your craft at what you do. It's any, like any of these drivers, you know, they didn't start out in NASCAR, you know, they started out in go-karts at age four or, or whatever. And, and you just, as long as you're moving forward and getting better every day, and yeah, I think you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. Along those lines, if somebody is listening to this and, and they feel like they're creative in any way, um, what's the most important thing? Like, is it, is it repetition? Is it having a gift? Is it being a perfectionist? I mean, you mentioned several of those things, but like, what is the most important element that they really need to focus on? And in, in NASCAR, it's deadlines is, as the biggest thing. If you, we have never missed a deadline and I've been in North Carolina almost six years now. And as long as you make these, you know, it might be, you might have two days to get a 40 hour helmet done, but as long as you make that deadline, you are gold to any of these teams, you know, and, and, Having that right there in North Carolina, like I said, and not being you know across the country and having ship stuff back and forth, and if you can get stuff done quick and it and it look good, then uh, I think that's the biggest thing. But don't be lazy. There's a lot of a lot of helmet painters that give us a bad name or you know stereotypical, and they say, oh, you don't wake up till noon or you start your day late, and you that's why you work till 2 a.m. No, we we start the day at you know 8:30, 9 o'clock every morning. And, and we leave when we're done, you know, that's that's the biggest thing. We don't just clock out at five and say, oh, we'll do it tomorrow. So I guess the biggest thing in NASCAR is because it, it just never stops, you know. People think we have three months off for the off season, but honestly, that's when we work the hardest, you know. And before Homestead's even over, we're already starting Daytona stuff. Wow, I'm exhausted just listening to this. I know, this, right? So. <laughs> I feel tired just listening to myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, any final words or advice or anything else you want to share about uh, how you've gotten to where you are today? Um... No, just hard work, man. I think hard work... Uh, that seems to be the, the common secret. Yeah, just it, it, overall. I mean, I, like I said, I listened to Jordan Anderson podcast on my way here, and he's a really good friend of mine, and I I feed a lot off him because we're we're up the same hours sometimes on Snapchat or whatever, and I said, man, you're probably the only person that works more hours than I do because you're just always on it, and I think as long as you work hard and uh, you're passionate about what you're doing, then you'll, you'll make any goal you put out there for yourself. That's awesome. Well, where can people find you if they want to like say you're awesome or getting you <laughs> or anything um uh twitter's big off axis paint um and then our instagram's the same it has a ton of helmets on it you can scroll through it off axis paint.com or uh off axis paint at gmail.com if you really want to be personal email me and uh if you want to be more personal than that, i'll give you my cell phone and we can go hang out at track awesome see making connections already with uh you can make connections with greg it's, it's not that hard people right it's easy yeah, yeah. <laughs> well thanks for joining us thanks buddy i appreciate it all right everybody so there you have it super appreciative of greg 
I really appreciate him being willing to do a second interview. As a result of the first interview, I have some extra stuff that I'm going to put on jeffgluck.com. So if you want to see some photos of what helmets look like as they're going through the various stages of design and being made, uh, as well as uh, a little sidebar on how the process all works in the first place. I'm going to put that up along with this transcribed interview on jeffgluck.com. So check that out there if you have any curiosity at all about the helmet design process. Now, of course, if you need a helmet, whether it's for racing or biking or anything like that, it's not going to be nicely painted like the ones from Off-Axis Paint, but you can find plain helmets like that on amazon.com. So if you go to jeffgluck.com slash amazon, to start your Amazon shopping, then you could actually help out this podcast and the website at no cost to you because Amazon will give me a commission for the sale. So again, that's jeffgluck.com slash Amazon. Just before you start your Amazon shopping, go there first. It takes you right to the Amazon homepage. Coming up on the next edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck podcast, it's going to be a post Martinsville podcast And I hope it's going to be from Martinsville because the weather forecast is making me a little bit nervous there. As of the time I'm recording this, it looks like there's a possibility of snow for Sunday. Snow. What? So, yes, that's a thing. Hopefully the race doesn't get snowed out. If it does and I have to go back home to Portland before the race is concluded, I'll figure out another way to do the podcast. But there will be some form of a post-race podcast, so stay tuned for that. And again, I just want to thank everybody for listening and for all their support. Um, If you missed it on Twitter, my wife Sarah and I announced this week we're having our first child in October, and just the outpouring from everyone has been so nice, and just it really has made us feel really wonderful and, and, and very loved, so... We just appreciate all the support and the kind words and the well wishes. And uh, we're really looking forward to having the big life change coming up this fall. Anyway, thank you as always for listening. And I'll talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.